welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Cannon Fodder number 63, and my name is Joe O'Brien. And I'm Troy Gencon LaValle. You've been Troy Gencon LaValle a couple times? Well, I, as far as I'm is concerned... Is this the first time? I'll always be Troy Gencon LaValle. <laughs> well, last week we lied about uh, being at Gen Con. We weren't really. We recorded it before we left. And this week we are not at Gen Con. We no. decided to not do Cannon Fodder at Gen Con because we really had a lot to focus on there. And we wanted to do a post sort of debrief on Gen Con. And we have not even had a chance to actually do that yet off mic. No. So I'm literally coming back from work, my first day back at work, sitting down with you to just talk about our time at Gen Con. Yeah, I mean, we have hadn't we we didn't fly home together, so right. we we didn't get a chance to like decompress together and go over the whole weekend. So we're, we thought, why don't we just record that? Right, exactly. Now, uh, episode one seventeen, of course, crazy times, crazy marrow fight. One of my favorite opens to an episode ever with the coral for he's a jolly good marrow. Good <laughs> fun times, including some really interesting stuff at the end with the vision yes, that Sir Will yes. gets of uh, Rose. I mean, very cool stuff, but we are going to put that off one week. Yeah. We'll talk about that in conjunction with episode 118, but for right now, we want to do a Gen Con debrief. We are going to listen to some of the sounds of the con. I walked around with a recorder, so I had some audio recorded, uh, things that we heard and uh, and people we talked to during the weekend, some highlights of those uh, of those meetings with some Paizo people, maybe. In general, I think this is just going to be an awesome recap and look back at Gen Con for people that were there, for people that weren't there. doesn't matter. We just want to get you up to speed on all the news of the GCP after this incredible weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first annual Gen Con debrief. Now, when we first let, let's start on, let's do it chronologically. Okay, let, let's run over this thing chronologically. It was a cold September day in 1978. <laughs> My mother labored on Labor Day. Little did they know that from out of her womb would come would a man who would most, make a podcast. The most evil GM in the land. <laughs> <laughs> The storms thundered overhead that morning. (laughs) (laughs) It was a wet, balmy day. (laughs) Um, No, but we arrived on Wednesday in Indianapolis. So I've never been to Indianapolis before. You had been to Indianapolis. Yeah, this is my second time. And you you kind of drove the boat as soon as we landed and, and got out of that airport. And where was the first thing, or where was the first place you wanted to go? I, Whenever I travel, whether I'm with my wife, whether I'm alone or a traveler in business, the first thing I do is go to the nearest craft brewery. <laughs> and did you have a specific brewery in mind before we even arrived? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to go to Sun King Brewery. It's like the big one in Indianapolis, and I had been there before, and so I was so excited, and we were in the Uber heading to the Airbnb, and we drove right by it, and I was like, it's within walking distance? This is going to be a dangerous weekend. All right, we are here. Just got into town. We are sitting at Sun King Brewery. I'm here with GM of the Glass Cannon Podcast, Mr. Troy Valley. Here I am, Sun King Troy LaValle. <laughs> there he is. We're all, we also got Skidmar in the house. And here I am, Sun King Skidmar. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. And Mr. Grantland Grant Berger is also here, crushing it in a little code names. King of the Sun, is that what it is? Grant, Grant Berger. 
<laughs> we have come to Sun King Brewery here to try their, what's it called, LaValle? Dragon's Delight. Every year they make a Gen Con only beer, and this year it is a, uh, a Belgian-style golden ale called Dragon's Delight. I think Skid's had about 14 of them. <laughs> and, uh, let's get him on mic. Skid, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I haven't, I don't drink very much anymore, as you know, but, uh, and I haven't had a drink in two weeks. And I've had 14 drinks today, and uh, I'm feeling I'm, I feel wonderful. I love everyone. That's how I feel. So. This is how every Gen Con should start: getting some uh, some brews at the craft brewery and playing some games. I mean, I'm we a big beer out. guy. I know a lot of our listeners love craft beer. I know that because they are now sending it to us. Thank you. <laughs> You guys are the best. Um, But I mean, I was really excited to go back here because they're one of the two places that makes a Gen Con beer. And this year it was a a beer called Dragon's Delight that we had fresh on tap that was made 15 feet away. Uh, We had a couple of those. We had their Osiris Pale Ale, which is their flagship beer. Another one called Fistful of Hops. I had a sour. And actually the four of us just sat down and played Code Names, which Grant and Skid had never played. We we hadn't been off the plane for an hour. We're already sitting down drinking drinking beer and playing games. We got out a, a code names, uh, played a few games of that. Troy was the big winner, I think. Did you lose a game, LaValle? I did not. I, I was very lucky. I had Skid as a partner for the first three rounds until you got violently angry and said, we're switching partners. And then I still won with Grant as my partner. <laughs> Stole one. It was a beautiful thing. And you bought some beer when we left. Which one did you go with? I sure did. I got the Osiris Pale Ale to bring back to the apartment because I knew that uh, one of those a day would keep the doctor away. <laughs> So, so we thought that we were going to do a lot of really fun stuff that night. We thought we were going to get our Twitch set up. We thought yep. we might do a Twitch stream of a video game. Uh, Grant has had brought his Nintendo Switch, and there was conversations about all the many things we were going to fit in. Uh, and instead, we got the Airbnb together. Uh, ate some hot dogs and then immediately went out to the Paizo bar and met Paizo people. <laughs> I didn't realize that we played Code Names on Wednesday and the next game I played was Saturday evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about it that yeah. way. So we end up going out on uh, on Wednesday night to the Omni Hotel, met uh, Dan Tharp from Paizo there. And uh, and Vicky Moore, friend of the podcast, yep. Vicky Moore was there as well. Uh, she was out here for GCP Live, and we ran into her, and and it was just great to start connecting with people. And you could already start seeing the energy. People were just all over that lobby yeah. and bar area that were all clearly there for Gen Con. And this is Wednesday night, so it's like let's get this party started. Yeah, and we just happen to be in a good position now where we can be friendly with the Paizo people. So right. Dan Tharp turned into a Jason Bullman hang, and then Adam Daigle came over. I hadn't had a chance to meet him uh, officially so when you I was met at Jason Bowman at PaizoCon I did I went to his uh, very famous uh, super VIP invite scotch party that's a uh, PaizoCon tradition evidently since back in the days when the fans made it so I knew Jason a little bit until I had too much scotch and didn't know my own name uh, <laughs> but it was great to be able to hang out with him again and so and- Jason is for those of you that don't know he is the the game designer behind Pathfinder. So yeah, he, he designed the lead designer. Yeah, the lead designer uh, of the game, and then Adam Daigle, who we met as well, uh, developed Strange Eons and Ruins of Oslan. So you're kind of like, oh my god, <laughs> I was I was fanboying it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, little, little trying to keep it cool. Little fanboying out, and then of course, then James Sutter comes over. I think you were outside on the street getting some fresh air, and James Sutter walked by. Yep, yep. And Dan Tharp introduced me to him, so and we cool. talked Starfinder. It was. It was incredible. And just nice guys across the board. Oh, you nice guys. You're not going to find anyone that isn't amazing at that company. And I know firsthand because PaizoCon is when you really get a chance to get 
get to talk to literally anyone in the uh, in the company uh, just one on one, and every single person I ran into couldn't have been nicer. I mean, they're game people. This yeah. is what they do. Right. They're awesome. So yeah, it was it was a really good time, and I think you definitely, along with me, were foolish enough to to keep saying earlier in the day as we were flying out there that we were going to take it easy Wednesday. Oh night yeah, because we had such a big day Thursday. We had the GCP live show Thursday. Mm-hmm. We had the slippery noodle Thursday night. So we wanted to make sure we didn't go too hard or too long. <laughs> and there we are yep. at two o'clock in the morning. We're the best. <laughs> still out at the bar. Uh. Uh, so I wake up on Thursday feeling like garbage. <laughs> and we wake up and it is Gen Con day. Right. It is the day of the con. It is now Thursday morning, August 17th, day one of Gen Con. And I am on my way solo to the convention center. So, Troy, I would love you, for for the people that don't really know what Gen Con is, are not huge board gaming people uh, out there that listen to us, describe what it is. We've been hyping it for weeks. Uh, How would you put it? How would you sum it up? Sure, and I am by no means an authority on the subject, as it was my first Gen Con, but the way they build themselves is the best four days in gaming, and I'll tell you what. It sure in hell is. <laughs> I had a permanent smile on my face from the minute I got my badge, walked into that con, until they dragged my ass out of there. So sad Sunday afternoon when the con was over. Uh, you know, this started 50 years ago. This is Gen Con 50. 50 years ago. Gary Gygax, the original creator of D&D and the other guys that uh, created it with him, started a convention for their war games that they were playing in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Lake Geneva Gen Con. That's where it gets its name and uh they had a beautiful museum in there uh celebrating the 50 years of gen con and i posted some pictures up on the instagram when i was walking through there where they had the first edition player's guide of D, you know the red box the blue box the black box all these other ones and the original manuscript for jason bullman's game which he titled mon mothma which i think was like a bait and switch kind of like blue harvest for star wars <laughs> and that was the first document that would eventually become the pathfinder system i mean it was just a walk through it was just a walk down my the nerdy history of my life. Then this goes back even longer than me. And then there was a picture of Gary Gygax who passed away a few years ago, and his voice with a was playing on a speaker nearby the photo, and you could just listen to him either talk about Gen Con or like there was a some audio of him running adventurers through a game. And it was just it was a really really special uh, moment. But Gen Con is just it happens once a year, and uh, if you have any interest in gaming whatsoever. You better be there. And this was the first time in 50 years it was completely sold out. I mean, what does that mean? Is that 70,000? I would 60, say 70, 75,000 people. Just unbelievable the amount of people. They took over all... So, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I went out early that first morning. And when I get there and have a chance to get my badge and start walking around, you realize not only that the Indiana Convention Center is massive, but that this... Uh, the gaming schedule is spilling over into the JW Marriott yeah. and the uh, Westin and whatever the other hotels that are all kind of connected. And you go through an under, underground tunnel and you come out in uh, with well a couple hundred gaming tables covering the field of Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. Yeah, so I walk, I come through this tunnel, and then all of a sudden I'm in like a back field level concourse. And I walk through, and I'm looking up at the stands of Lucas Oil Stadium. I was like, this is unbelievable. And that's actually where that 
Gen Con 50 Museum was. Yeah, right on the 50-yard right line. Right on the 50-yard line of Lucas Oil Stadium. It was How so incredible. special. And, and it wasn't just spilling over into these hotels in Lucas Oil. Anywhere you went within a five-block radius, people were there with their badges, eating, playing games. Like, it, it really takes over the whole city. Yeah. Food. I didn't quite understand how it could do that until we went. Yeah. And... Among all these different things you wa- you walked around and saw, I walked into early on by myself the Sagamore Ballroom. Oh man, which is where Paizo set up camp and had their events going all weekend long. Drum, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little audio for you that I recorded. This is just background audio of the Sagamore Ballroom because I was noise. like, I, yeah, I just wanted to just want to remind you what it was like to be in that room. Oh, this is taking me back. <laughs> what did you liken it to? You said when you walk in there, it looks I like... I said it was like a casino right. for Pathfinder fans. Yeah. <laughs> because not only was it amazing, and I'll let you describe it in a second, but it was going 24 hours a day. I had no it idea. It didn't close at all. There were games all night long, every night. Tell, tell everybody what the room looked like that didn't, didn't see any pictures of it. I mean, you walk in there. I, I don't even want to give an estimate on the number of tables because I have absolutely no idea. But, I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of tables, all full of six players and a GM. All full. Yeah. And you look up uh, to the right and to the left, and there's just these huge banners of all the Pathfinder Iconics and now Starfinder Iconics as well, just filling both sides of the auditorium so that every single Iconic up there, and as well as these other banners that uh, uh, display sort of the most memorable Pathfinder books. You know, you had the core rule book photo. You yeah. had the occult adventures photo, which you really loved. I mean, it was just... Well, I mean, just epic battle artwork. Yes. Just incredible artwork. You can't help but get in the mood when you see all this. You're like, oh, I'm ready oh, to yeah. play. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at a piece of artwork of a bunch of badasses fighting some sort of crazy monster, and it's 12 feet by 15 feet you know yeah. <laughs> you're it's just it's breathtaking the hubbub in the air and the sound of dice just rolling across the table gms all being different levels of demonstrative and the way they're <laughs> describing things i mean those games started i think at 8 a.m the first day i remember waking up and just looking at people that had already been gaming for two hours on day one i was like they are insane <laughs> Uh, and then you met the people that were gaming, starting games at 2 a.m. <laughs> Isn't that the, crazy? The 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. slot in the Sagamore. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I already mentioned it on one of the Facebook Lives. During our Slippery Noodle Hangout, some people left to go to a 2 a.m. game in the Sagamore. <laughs> Insanity. Insanity. The, the, the energy in that room was amazing, and I just stood there and kind of took it all in. Welcome, Glass Cannon Nation, to the Sagamore Ballroom the home of Pathfinder events for the entire weekend. I'm standing here now. These are the sounds of people gaming you hear in the background. Early morning gaming, it's about nine o'clock and people are, there's so many Starfinder tables, it's mind boggling. I see uh, little minis with laser guns. I see ship to ship combat on hexes. Uh, I see some of our GCP people in the distance playing. I see uh, Natalie standing and uh, and GMing a game with some of our some of our greatest fans in the world. I see GCP T-shirts. This is an exciting, exciting day for all of us. 
And then I popped by and said hi to some GCP Nation folks that were getting uh, run through a game by Natalie Kurtzner. And we gave hellos all around, shook some hands, met a couple people. Cursed their uh, dice and table with your bad luck that just seeps out of your pores. Yep, yep. rumor on the street came back to me the next day that the luck at the table plummeted. As soon as I left, I was like, I don't believe this. Good thing I came by about an hour and a half later and was able to kind of clear it of your bad juju. (laughs) They literally said that their luck went downhill and then you came by the table and everything corrected and the PCs won out. It's like, come on, this is getting ridiculous. Lork's curse lives. (laughs) So uh, around the time that actually you were meeting them and talking to them, I went and uh, into Lucas Oil Stadium because I had a meeting with a couple guys that were from Evil Overlord Games uh, around your neck of the woods, buddy. They're uh, based outside of Cambridge. Oh. And they are game designers who just put together this this company. And they... uh, I, I... I wanted to talk to them about their new newest project they're working on called called Susaurus Season of Tides. And it's actually a web-based, uh, browser-based interactive story that's set in like an urban fantasy world. It's a, it's a text adventure, but it also is combined with artwork and stuff like that. And it's basically like modern day world, but it has werewolves, vampires, and mages. That's what it's based around. So you pick one of these things that you are, and then... It's basically a text-based choose-your-own-adventure that you kind of click through the options of what you want to do. And you read the part, and you click, and then you go to the next part. But here's the crazy wrinkle. These guys put it together and made it into, or they're making it into, it's still kind of under process, an MMO. So it's a full-blown, massive multiplayer on... So it's a full-blown, massive multiplayer online choose-your-own-adventure where you kind of choose factions and then the factions get different prominence uh, at different times based on what other players do in the world and based on what the werewolves do versus what the vampires do versus what the mages do, etc. And the fluctuations that set the world state for this MMO... I don't know if you're familiar with world states in MMOs, but basically, like, you've never played an MMO, right? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I never played Warcraft or anything like that. Yeah. It's essentially like there are things outside of only what the players do that affect, uh, that are like kind of NPC effects on the environment ah. that can drastically change things. And they change the state of the game. You might have different bonuses. You might have uh, different debuffs for a certain amount of time because something is happening in the world. Well, uh, the... Uh, the designers of the game, two of the four writers of the game, uh, one is Rickland Powell, he's the CEO, and then the other one, person I talked to is Edwin Karat. Edwin Karat designed the mathematics behind this fluctuation mechanism of the world state, and it is, it's like actually genius. It's actually genius. He is a huh. PhD in mathematics from MIT. And he put together this system that I can't even begin to describe right now, but it, it, they're applying for a patent for it. It's like a game design wow. mathematical mechanic that has this, they described it as five wheels that all turn at a certain time and affect each other in different ways. And it makes for this great balancing mechanism that always kind of, whenever one faction gets ahead enough, there's like a mechanic that helps to like even things out a little bit and make, uh, it, it basically sets missions 
for other factions to bring that faction down. Huh. And it, and and then it, it automatically happens and it changes the story and your objectives become things that naturally balance the world. So it's really neat ideas. Like these guys were talking about it and I was like, I am way out of my depth right here. These guys are geniuses. It was pretty interesting. And so they just released a non-MMO version of it just to get you started on it, but it's eventually going to be MMO. And if you want to check it out, you can go over to eviloverlordgames.com. It has all the info there. You can see some of the awesome artwork that they have posted there and uh so yeah those guys were very nice and i really appreciate them taking the time to talk to me uh that was was a really neat thing to get to talk to these really really high level game designers and what they're working on uh it's one of the things you can do at gen con yet another thing you can do at gen con did it make you wish that you were smart it did. It did. Smart, like they are in Cambridge. See, now, while you were doing that, I was taking in the show floor. I know you're not a big show floor guy, but I would say day one was one of the best times to walk around the floor. Even though it was a madhouse, it was only a madhouse at the places where everyone was rushing to get stuff. You know, the Starfinder core rulebook sold out in six and a half hours. I was there, and there were tons of copies left, but the line was huge. I really wanted Legends of the Five Rings. That was the big game that everyone was talking about. Fantasy Flight Games. If I had went there, right then and there, and just waited in the long line, I could have got a copy. But I'm like, eh, there'll be plenty left. I'm such an idiot. I I need to make a list of all the things that I learned in my first Gen Con. And I'll share it with you guys, and I'll share it with everybody else. Because I learned a ton that I would do differently next year. Well, we got to record some of it here, too. I mean, that's an easy way to remember some of the things that, you know, we forgot or didn't think of doing. Especially those those big ticket items. Yeah. Yeah, You have to get those early on. Because they, they go so fast. I mean, I didn't hear a buzz about this until we got there. You heard it right away, didn't jump on it, and then they were they were gone. And then you wanted to go get a de- game demo, and I was like, well, I don't want to demo a game I can't buy until November. I'm <laughs> going to be all psyched about it and then can't get it. Skid and Grant got a demo of it and yeah. said it was great. Can, can you describe it? It's kind of, From what I understand, and I may be misrepresenting uh, it, but if you like Android Netrunner, which you and I definitely do, it's a living card game like that, but it all takes place in like feudal Japan with samurais and magic. I mean, it just looks gorgeous. I think it takes the Android, Android Netrunner um, type of game and just adds a couple of layers to it. Um, so, you know, I'm bummed out, but that, that's one thing I learned. If there's something you want, you don't have to wait in the huge line when the doors open at 8 a.m. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. But you just have to, like, get to the floor early and wait in line for the games you want. Yeah. It may take you a couple hours, but then that's done. You got the game that you wanted. We were, it was day, I don't, again, I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves, but it was day four. You and I were just walking around as they were about to close the show floor, and you were like, I just want to buy the first game that looks even halfway decent, just so we can play something. <laughs> yeah, just so I can say I bought one game at the convention. You're getting ahead, Troy. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You, you, skipped, I, I, you skipped kind of a big deal. What else the, happened? These hours that we were working off that afternoon, that Thursday afternoon, were leading up to the GCP live show in Paizo's oh, seminar room. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Room 212. We are currently setting up for our event. The room is filling up. Uh, I'm sitting next to Troy here, who's next to Grant, who's next to Eric Mona, who's joining us, who's next to Skid. We're not really sure what Troy has in mind. I see a map. I see some minis. Um, I see an initiative tracker, so it looks like there's going to be some combat, but... All in all, it's very, very exciting. 
me see how Troy's feeling. Troy, this is the moments before the show is starting here. Everybody's looking at you, obviously. Right, You're the right, focus of, of the whole room, obviously. Yes, right, right. How are you feeling? Well, Jill, thank you for asking. Uh, now, if you're listening at home, you might think that we recorded this after the fact. This is actually moments before we're going live in front of a room of, I'm counting, just off the top of my head, 3,000 people, Joe? Do you see 3,000? <laughs> it's certainly more than 90. I'll say that much. We're packing them in like hotcakes. A couple fish I don't know what that means. Do you pack hotcakes in there? That's a weird metaphor. Sounds gross. Why is this thing full of hotcakes? This is disgusting. This is only the second time that we'll have done a live show. So I was excited and nervous and uh, just overall pumped to see how this was going to go. I wanted to see if we were going to fill the room. Was everybody going to show up? And we had a line wrapping all the way down the hall. You'd think they were coming to see the Beatles. I was worried I'd have to say more before I got that first applause. <laughs> I feel like I can uh, call it quits. I, I feel like we should start with an introduction. That's what they tend to do with these uh, panels. But in classic GCP fashion, I feel like we can't just do a regular introduction. Just in case there are people here who don't know, a couple of us, a couple new people checking out the GCP. Joe, can you, uh, can you hit the music? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to your Glass Cannon Podcast! <laughs> and then, of course, you, we pack them in. We turn some away. Yep. And uh, we get some very nice guests in. Uh, Dan Tharp from Paizo Outreach stayed to watch the show and live tweet it and stuff. And Jason Bullman the front sat, row. sat in the front row to judge us on our, <laughs> our rules. It was so great because he created the game, all of the rules, and we just could look over to him from time to time and he would like nod his head, no, shake it. <laughs> it was so good. And then, of course, our guest of honor, the publisher of Pathfinder, Eric Mona sat in to play Gormley for Matthew. Oh my God! So, what what were your thoughts overall on on the show? I mean, it's it's hard to talk about it without gushing. I thought it was one of the best things we've ever done. It was just the culmination of the energy in that room. You said it was like a powder keg in there. Yeah. You know, the energy in that room, the fact that Mona is such a superstar. I mean, literally, he, he listens to the show. He's not caught up or anything. But before the show, he was like, you know, what? Is there any like uh, monster, classic monsters I should know about or anything like that? And I was like, I'm not so much interested in that. I want you to just know about Gormley, to know a little bit about how she acts in the world and so I just gave him three episodes that I thought were emblematic of that one of which is the one where she goes and confronts Kesem Plum at her house things like that so that's all the information he really had to go off of other than what he prepared himself and he just crushed it I mean I don't want to give away too much what we did I just want to let the mystery and the myth grow of what happened in this alternate universe session but I mean it really it couldn't have went better and then of course at the end we had a at the big end, old announcement. Big announcement. And if you're like me and you're terrible about keeping track of social media, you may not even know about <laughs> this big announcement about what we're doing for the second well, podcast. Uh, that was. <laughs> we obviously have gone a little later than we planned. Uh, so we got we to gotta head over to the Slippery Noodle a little bit. But I do want to. Uh, if you're coming over to the Noodle, we're going to be there all night long. So please come up and talk to us. If you have any questions about anything, we are happy to talk about anything except what was beeped out of the previous episode. 
So don't bother. <laughs> don't bother. Um, but uh, what I will say is we are on the cusp of hitting our uh, $10,000 Patreon goal, which is, which is just ridiculous. When we started this Patreon, I mean, Joe and I went back and forth just laughing like, we're, we might get $500 on there. <laughs> Let's just say at 10,000, we'll do a, a second podcast because that'll never happen and then we have time to prepare. Uh, <laughs> and then because of the generosity of, uh, you know, I'm sure almost everyone in this room, everyone who, who, who shows up for us, I mean, I think most of these campaigns get like 5% of their listenership donates to the Patreon. I mean, we have to be blowing past that because we're we're connecting with you guys on a different level. And I don't know how that happened. And I think it has something to do with gaming. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. It's something about the communal aspect of coming together. And even though we're in New York and you guys are all where you are, something happens every week where we get to sit around a table together and listen to this one show. And because of that, we are about to start pre-production on a second podcast. And in trying to decide what to do, we obviously like we would decide with any decision uh, when it comes to what should we do next. There are so many different things that we want to do. We all want to go back and play Rune Lords. We want to start at the beginning, go all the way through. You got Ruins of Aslan coming out next time. You got Starfinder obviously launching today. Um, and so we, we really looked at all the different options because when Giant Slayer ends, when the GCP ends, our plan is to just start up again with another adventure path. We want to just keep telling stories with the amazing products that Paizo puts out. So with the second podcast, we thought this is a great opportunity, especially today of all days, to take things in a new direction. So we will, once we hit the $10,000 goal, uh, begin production on a second actual play podcast of the Starfinder Adventure. <laughs> So yeah, it's going to be the second podcast. Yeah, when it drops, will be a sci-fi adventure. Are you excited? I, I mean, I I couldn't be more excited. I, I I love the show that we're doing. There are things happening in this show that have not that have not happened yet. There are things that are going to happen in our current show that is better than anything we've ever done. I truly believe. I am getting better at at doing this, and I think we are all getting better at creating this show. I'm just excited to start from scratch as well. Yeah. And and to start... To have a chance to start over. Yeah, to really... All the things we learned from doing this for two and a half years. Now, Giant Slayer, the Glass Cannon podcast is reflecting that in our work as we're getting stronger uh, along the way. Now we get to really start from scratch. Super scratch because it's a brand new system. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm terrified. Personally. <laughs> you should be scared. Um, but I mean, you know, if there are people who might have their doubts about this or they're upset, they would have preferred a Pathfinder Adventure path you got to trust us if you enjoy what we do you're gonna like this too and this show isn't gonna come out for a little while it takes us time to do this we've already been in pre-production for it for months and it's gonna take a little more time for us to do this right we can just throw out a show that's garbage you know just to get it out there quickly but that's just not how we operate so and don't worry about it spoiling the adventure path for you because if you're playing it on your own right now you should go far past where we go with our one hour session per week 
I couldn't be more excited. I know the whole gang is excited. Yeah. And uh, so just stay tuned for more news to come. More to come on that. Well, after the show, we went out to Slippery Noodle, where we had our meetup with the fans. <sighs> so I mean, awesome. Was that, is that just not incredible? Are fans not the best people in the world? How do we keep saying it and not sound like complete shills? But I mean, when we went to GCP Live, the GCP Live Hangout, the first one that we did here in New York, that was an eye-opening experience for all of us. We're like, wow, we're we're just making this podcast. We thought it would be interesting, but it's like touching people in a way that we didn't know. Well, the amount of people we had at that Hangout, imagine that tripled now. Yeah. We packed out two entire rooms of this place. Yeah, we just spilled over into way way past our reservation. And this slippery noodle guy even came up to me and was like, who was the one that called this in? I was like, Troy. He was like, yeah, Troy. That guy needs to learn how to count. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Well, I mean, just uh, a lot of people came that didn't RSVP, which, uh, you know, it, it happens. GCP Nation, there's, there's, something, there's something that's happening with what we're doing, and it's attracting a certain group of people that it should be no surprise that they're amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I just felt so humbled and it was so nice to meet them. All weekend long, I felt bad that I didn't have more time to spend with them. You and I'd be walking around rushing off to meetings and we'd run into a couple cool people in the hall and like, they just want to talk. And I felt terrible. Like I wanted to cancel my meetings just because I want to talk to the fans. But a or lot of times- Or play a game with or somebody. Or play a game for crying out loud, something. <laughs> but I mean, that's the nature of the beast. And I I, I think, I know I tried to do my best to, to talk to everyone. At one point I looked up and there was like a receiving line of a wedding of people that- uh, uh, wanted to say hi. It was just wonderful. And, I mean, uh, we didn't talk at all at no. the Slippery Noodle. I didn't really talk to Grant or Skid. I didn't see them. Did you talk to Grant or Skid? Joe, at 1 a.m., I literally shoveled a sub into my mouth because I hadn't <laughs> eaten. My wife thought I was dead because I didn't text her to be like, no, honey, I'm still alive. I, I didn't want to pull my phone out while somebody was talking to me. And I basically almost pissed my pants because I had to, was holding that as well. It yeah. was just awesome. I remember Skid just sitting at a table chatting with people, all of which I hadn't really met. And, and Grant was outside kind of holding court it was yeah. a group talking to grant and um you know i just didn't i didn't get a chance to chat with any of you guys you know because you're just constantly hanging out with new friends and it was just just a, a fantastic experience all around and then uh once again another late night we get home yep. late and we got to start friday morning is our event our like actual yeah. gaming event where we are gming games for gcp nation so we have it was awesome. We had four tables in a private room yep. in the JW Marriott. Four nice big tables. We filled them out. Six players each. We even had a couple people just hang out, hang around the rooms that couldn't uh, that couldn't get in at the last minute. We had a waiting list of probably twenty people out there, and we couldn't get any of them in because everybody that bought tickets uh, showed up. So among the four tables, we each ran a game. We all ran the same module, the House of Harmonious Wisdom. Right, right. And we all like kind of did it a little bit differently, so everybody had a different experience, uh-huh. and it was just a blast i remember looking over at one point i saw grant on his feet and sweat just like flying from his mane of hair as he described a bar fight like an amazing bar fight and then uh i would do like an npc and like 20 minutes later i would hear skid like belting that npc's exact same lines with like 
an accent that's 10 times better and my whole table <laughs> would just start cracking up like it was just a really fun environment the, the whole morning electric. into the afternoon it was electric anytime there was a natural 20 or a fumble you know you'd hear it all throughout the room it, it was it was a really unique experience that uh, I, I went in a little I went in a little apprehensive you know you want to do a good job it's like they listen to you on the show let me see what you got La Valley. and I mean I, I had this group of six dudes they were great we had a blast I didn't want it to end I was like oh it's 2.30 we gotta stop I mean, I can't. I, we have to do that again next year. Yeah, I had a great table as well. People that were just so laid back, really fun. Nobody busting chops on the rules. Everybody just doing story, doing character stuff. Yeah. Uh, Vicky Moore was at my table. She's getting out of her seat doing diplomacy checks. You know, it was just, it was a fantastic energy. Her friend Eric was great. They they granted me, uh, they gifted me, I should say, a ticket to the Pathfinder special that night. It was yes. just, it's amazing. It's so generous. And this just goes to show you what GCP Nation all about but yeah we had a great time and then we we get out of there and basically have to just find some time to get some food before the four of us had a which is a wonderful meeting with ben looms of sirenscape ben looms on the show floor at the sirenscape booth and if you saw this on social media then you saw it we had some good news there but uh we we, we actually got there got together and had a chance to sit and talk with ben well, it was just a week ago that I was singing the praises of one Ben Looms and his Sirenscape <laughs> sound engine that we uh, absolutely went nuts over in our first underwater episode. And we have another one this week and continue to utilize the sound set. And here I am standing at Gen Con with Ben himself. Ben, a pleasure to meet you in person, sir. It has been fantastic. We've been chatting for quite a while and I've flown all the way from Sydney just to meet you. Listen, he's at Gen Con for the GCP meeting. So uh, thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> For, for those people that, uh, they've heard us talk about Sirenscape a lot on the show, but I think that we, we don't go into great detail about what really it is. So what's the pitch when people walk around here? Tell them, what is Sirenscape? Excellent. Sirenscape is an app available on iOS and Android and Mac and PC. It uh, makes a beautiful, immersive sound environment and a movie-like soundtrack of music uh, for tabletop games. It's designed specifically just for me to help solve the problem of having to manage audio and finding the right stuff. And so that uh, setting up uh, a medieval tavern or a red dragon battle or an abandoned space station just comes down to one click. So I can keep my attention on my players and it makes my players keep their attention on the game. And I see, just standing here, I see that you have postcards out for a Catan sound set. Is that what that is? Yes, absolutely. We have the sounds for Catan. So you're playing the Catan board game. You can touch uh, happy days. You've got a gentle musical theme in the background. You've got the sounds of sheepies, sheeping in the distance. The best thing about the Catan sound set is you can touch the robber button. And instead of just rolling a seven and going, oh, it's a seven, oh, I get to steal someone's stuff, how annoying. Yet another seven. Yeah, that's right. Yet another seven, because it is the most common die roll. Um, there's 60 different smart aleck robber sounds, including some classics as uh, you know what the best thing about this space is is I get to have all your stuff and uh, and what's the other one which is great it's like oh give us your stuff or you die in fact you die anyway but this list is where you won't die so quickly and that's a, a fantastic Melbourne voice actor that I use and he just riffed and now we've got 60 of these so you never know which robber sound you're gonna get that's terrific, and it and it reminds you that Sirenscape is not only for RPGs or you know in, intense uh -huh. adventure path kind of stuff. You also do these 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 board yeah. games, yeah. and we've been having so much fun, have we not, Troy, with the underwater sound set? Oh God, I mean the fact that uh, we have such terrible players on our show <laughs> that we can use the underwater sound set to really lift the show from a boring adventure to something that sounds amazing uh, has really made these past couple episodes sing. Sirenscape compensating for underwater gameplay. <laughs> 
That's right. It's 2005. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so what is next for, for Sirenscape? What are we expecting to see yeah. on the horizon? Starfinder, Starfinder, Starfinder. There's this little game that Paizo released. Uh, it's sold out completely before midday on day one of Gen Con, and it's incredible. It's Apparently there's stock in stores, so people can grab it there. But it's, yeah, science fantasy, it's incredible. And it's the first role-playing game to be released with a complete audio solution already made for it, specifically for it. So, the, so, the, so I'm sorry, so the sounds are available, it's out now. Yeah, absolutely. Day one of Gen Con, we launched it. You can download each of the starships that's in the core rulebook. They come with a complete setup. They come set out with engineer actions and helmsman actions, uh, you know, missile lock warnings. Each of the sounds of the actual Starfinder weapons in the app, ready to go pew 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 with them. <laughs> Except I don't go pew pew pew. Cause <laughs> I should You're not actually just recording yourself making That's that right. sound. I should make a sound set of me just actually doing like whack, oh, poo, ching. <laughs> well, for your comic book line. <sighs> That'd be cool. But yeah, it's amazing. It's epic, and you know, you immerse people in the space environment, and there's epic music. There's explosions. There's one of the best things about the Paizo's products is that the, each culture has a specific sound, a specific, a specific feeling. Our packed starships have physical switches which click on and off. You know, we sampled a, a torch being switched on and off and little kind of drive sounds going and things like that. And I spoke to the Paizo staff about what a Cassathar starship sounds like. And they're like, well, Cassathar starships are like kind of the Apple store of starships. So they're all sleek and beautiful, a bit quieter with little bing, boom, ding, boom kind of sounds filled with people that think they're better than everyone else that's right <laughs> just so happy to help you out <laughs> I'm not gonna lie we just announced yesterday at Gen Con that we're gonna be doing uh, Starfinder Dead Suns as our next podcast and I honestly when I saw that you guys were doing the Sirenscape release for that that was one of the factors that made me yeah, say well, we, we have to mm. do that because your stuff has been so important for our Giant Slayer campaign even though we don't there's a Giant Slayer yeah. sound set yeah. we were able to pick and choose from so many different things yeah. so knowing that we're gonna have a dedicated Starfinder yeah. sound set is just going to make the next podcast already <laughs> yeah, yeah, better yeah, than yeah. the first. Absolutely, yeah. We yeah we do the adventure paths so that you can um, basically take away prep, so you can literally just click through the encounters one by one, which is really really awesome. And yeah, the the it's we we played I played the adventure path of number one, and it's fantastic work. The, um, the Starfinder stuff, so it's super cool, and I'm just loving building for it. It's so fascinating. How do I create the deck of a starship? You know, all the different sounds that are there, the different pictures of drives you know I'm kind of searching for the most random sounds like a washing machine with a with a knock you know and then <laughs> and then EQing that so most of the knocks gone but you've still got this kind of pulsing vroom, 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 vroom kind of thing and then overlaying that with the sound of the uh, the air purifiers you know and little parts so the tiny starships have these kind of like kind of really crappy sounding kind of uh, little cheap pumps mm-hmm. and the big starships have these great big air conditioning sort of you know system <laughs> yeah that's right yeah. yeah you know and then you go down to the engine room there's an engine room button and suddenly all those components are really close and up in your face uh, yeah it's really it's it's super fun it just sounds so so incredible I cannot wait to hear it yeah alright Ben well thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it the booth looks great we're very excited and just cannot wait for Starfinder oh me too and it's been great to hang out with you guys in person I would basically like to just stand here now for the next two hours and geek out <laughs> yes we, please can we do that on tape because people would love that <laughs> I, I'll just keep it on that's right <laughs> why don't you fly to New York sometime we'll put you in a game and you can take over for Joe one episode okay, sounds good. Right. Okay. wait a minute it's a way of submerging the game even further is that what you're saying <laughs> it's also a way of getting rid of Joe <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you guys know we've been using Sirenscape since day one. Joe figured it out really well around episode 17, but we've been using it since day one. 16, four months of nonsense. <laughs> but 
you know, I had the pleasure of getting to meet Ben face to face at PaizoCon actually, and that's when we started talking about possibly doing a glass cannon sirenscape set. And you know, a couple months later, we've been uh, talking more and more, and now we were able to officially announce it on day two of Gen Con. We are going to be releasing a glass cannon sirenscape set. We're gonna have Joe's gonna roll. We're going to have, it is top of nerdage. Roll, Rick, a roll, plus a brand new selection of tons of stuff that we're going to be recording just for the sound set. <laughs> is Tom Exhibit... Is Tom Exposition going to be in there? Listen, I don't make any promises. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you can get Sirenscape for the low, low price of two. Three, here to go. <laughs> so, with uh, our live show done, with our event done, now is the chance that we are going to have to just play some games. That's what we're thinking. Nope. Nope. Not <laughs> true at all <laughs> uh we we ended up getting caught up on the show floor uh, once again you just get sucked into that thing walking around meeting people chatting it up we actually uh, ended up getting co- uh, contacted at the slippery noodle by uh adam and sterling from the order of the amber die yes which was incredible and they said why don't we meet up on saturday so we met up with those guys only for about 20 minutes or so we talked but what an amazing 20 minutes these guys if you haven't checked out their stuff they play pathfinder at just another level totally different level yeah Yeah. they they blog their games when they finish and they do these epic like 24-hour sessions that uh, mean they accomplish so much in one sitting and then they they produce a nice blog written to recap everything that went down with really gorgeous photographs showing their 3D maps and oh, how, how into their characters they get and and they play the Iconics actually. Yeah, they only play Iconics that yeah. are pictured in the Adventure Paths. They use all of the exact minis. I mean, it is it is a breathtaking undertaking to see what they do and I've known about them for a while because when I was doing my research for Giant Slayer they did this thing called the Giant Slayer Endeavor where they took their way of playing these marathon sessions and did Giant Slayer I didn't tell you guys about them because I didn't want you and Skid and Grant like googling them and be like oh there's the last moment of Giant Slayer great now I know how it all ends Right. Um, but they finished that up a while ago now and they're in the middle of Strange Eons and uh, I don't want to say but they told me what their next one is going to be in itself awesome so they came up to us because they listened to the show they're fans of the show I'm fans of theirs so we're like we should probably talk little do we know this guy lives in our backyard over in Jersey so don't be uh, surprised if you see a little Order of the Amber Die glass cannon mashup in the future <laughs> and you missed this one as well this was also a Saturday thing I met with um uh, a guy at Meta Arcade. This is a company that is making this really awesome-looking app that is scheduled to release next year for uh, Apple and Android called the Adventure Creator. Ooh. How do you, Troy, always tell people, if people ask you how you got into this hobby in the first place, well, what do you always tell them? Uh, well, I, I mentioned the video games that I play, the RPG games that, that got me into it, um, and I always mention the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yes. So the Choose Your Own Adventure books is exactly what these guys are doing. It's similar to what I had talked about before right, right. Uh, with the Evil Overlord guys. This one, though, is an app that allows you to create 
your own choose your own adventure what so yeah. why wasn't i on this meeting <laughs> it <laughs> sounds is, good it's pretty incredible dude the it allows you to create uh your own choose your own adventure as i said and you can like send it to your friends or family or if you think it's like really good and legit you can submit it to meta arcade through this like professional submission process that they have and if they choose it they will publish it and there's revenue sharing. Come on. Yeah, and anybody can go buy these adventures for like a buck once they're okay. once they're made. And so they have created some already that you can download and buy. They're released on the App Store. They use the the Tunnels and Trolls rule set, which uh, is a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more story based. But you're still having combats. You're still rolling die. But then you're choosing like, should I fight or should I run? And then you click, and it goes to another part of the adventure. So I got to see a little bit of the prepared adventure, but then I got to see the behind the scenes app that is going to come out next year where you can actually build it. And it was just, it was just so neat choosing images, choosing background audio, and then typing in the text. And the whole thing really is just based on the idea that they know people have stories to tell and they want to give them a method by which to do it. That's great. So I actually had a chance to sit down with Greg Buron, who's the lead developer on the project, and I have a little bit of audio for that, so I'll play that here. Picking up here on Saturday afternoon on the show floor, just got done a fantastic demo at Flying Buffalo Games, who uh, is debuting through Meta Arcade, a, a demo of two different apps, a background app called the Adventure Creator, which is not quite out yet, and then a uh, what they use the adventure creator to make, which is a series of adventures using the classic tunnels and trolls adventure system. I am here talking with Greg Boron, is it? Buron. Greg Buron. Greg Buron, who is the development director on the project. He just got done showing me the demo. He's a fantastic guy. And I would just like to ask you a couple questions about, you know, your gaming, how you got into it, and, and this project. So why don't, you, why don't you tell me, I guess the, the, my first question is, this seems to be, everything you've shown me is really so narrative-based. It's yeah. so story-based. Can you tell me why that drives your, your projects and what you want other people to get out of that? Absolutely, and you've hit the nail on the head. So really what Meta Arcade is about, we're a startup, we just started recently, and we're in the Seattle area, and what we've done is our CEO, David Reed, came up with the concept of, hey, games are expensive to make, they're hard to make, and they cost a lot of money. What if we gave the power to the players and said, hey, you don't need to be technical, you don't need to be an artist, you don't need to be a sound engineer. What if we gave people all the assets they needed to create compelling narratives and gave them the tools to do that, and they can publish their own games using our platform and maybe make a little bit of money out of it? And that's exactly what we've done. We're debuting the Tunnels and Trolls Adventures player today uh, at Gen Con uh, on iOS and Android, and that allows us to uh, publish the classic Tunnels and Trolls adventures uh, through Flying Buffalo uh, through our platform for for play, uh, you know, a classic role-playing game experience. Yeah, you show me through uh, some of the adventure uh, that has already been published, the Tunnels and Trolls style adventure where you are just thrown naked into a, into a dungeon and you have to get your way yes. out. And it's a very interesting series of twists and turns, some really neat combat with in the Tunnels and Trolls system, you know, you're rolling a 2d6 against a 20 subtracted by your ability score, which right. is uh, the, the earlier, uh, the first level challenges, right? And then they right. go up from there. Right. And uh, it really works because it keeps everything relatively simple and straight forward from a rules standpoint, but it also gives you the control to to move through the adventure as you see fit. There were so many times that I saw four different options at the end of a page, Mm -hmm. and these all led different ways. 
yep, then we're going to do even more. You know, there's going to be more and more as we continue to make new sounds, get new art. Uh, you know, we've got art from the Kirby, uh, Liz Danforth, Steve Crompton, uh, many, many others. Uh, and that will only continue to grow over time. And there will just be so many, a, a very rich pool of things to pull from to make the narrative that you want, right? Yeah, and it really was incredible. I just as one example, you said to me, we were looking at images, and you said, what kind of image do you want? I said, no, I said, give me a bridge. I want to have like a scene, maybe a combat on a bridge. You just typed in the word bridge, and all these images, even if the word bridge is not in the title of the image, it's coded into right. the image. So yeah, We tag the, all the images to say, okay, well, you want a sword? Well, you know, we've got 17. I, I make that number up. I don't know how many swords we've got. But um, it's. But yeah, I mean, about a dozen bridges came up, all yep. different settings. You know, one was a castle bridge, one was a small one in a, in a, over a small brook in the, in the outskirts of a village or something like that. It was really gave you a, a way to envision. And sometimes you said you could even suggest you have in there. Uh, a random image generator so that's that you right. can generate an image and then draw a story back from the image yourself. That's right. When we debuted the uh, Venture Creator at PAX South in January of this year, one of the things we did was, hey, we had people come up into the booth and say, hey, we're debuting this. This is a prototype. We want you to kind of see what this is like. And we're gathering feedback to make sure that it, it's, you know, we're building something that the customer wants. But they would come into the booth and we'd say, hey, why don't you create a little vignette, a little adventure story with me? Where would you like to start? And some people just jumped right in and say, oh my gosh, I want, I want the sword and I want the guy stabbing him and you know, the Medusa throws me or something like that. They get all very excited and animated, right? And some people say, gosh, I want to do this, but I have no idea. I've got that right. Where to start? Where the, I start? Uh, that blank page. Right. So I go into the image and I say, well, let's hit the random button. And then a random image shows up for each one of those frames. Each frame has an image on the left and some text on the right describing that image. And then it gives you a certain number of choices. Um, and if you hit that random image, it's like, okay, now I've got something that I can kind of... Well, you know, like we did, there's uh, two adventures kind of in the shadows, and there's a guy crumpled on the floor. Well, clearly a murder has just happened, right. and we've got to go solve that murder. Right, or a guy's just drunk and asleep. Or maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> that's exactly right. It, it really, the, the images are beautiful, but they're also vague enough to not tell the whole story in that's one right. shot. It really leaves a wide range for you to tell your own stories. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Really excited, i got to tell you, for the Adventure Creator release well, I'm next year. you're excited. That's great. That's <laughs> great news, and uh, we're just going to keep going with this. I think the power of narrative is really important. I think people really resonate with that. Um, I'm excited to keep working on it and I can't wait to see what we come up with. You're speaking my language, Greg. Right All right, on. talk to you soon. All right, thank you. And then, Troy, we did actually get to play a game. We sure did. We sure did. If there was one game to play all week, we found it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's really only thanks to the lovely Tanya Woolridge, yes. who is the head of organized play for Paizo. We just went up to her and talked to her in the in that great Sagamore ballroom. Yes. And we asked if there was any way we could sneak in uh, a demo for Starfinder. And she was like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. And she got us set up with a table. A couple hours later, we had to come back. And we got set up with a table just for us. It was you, me, Skid Grant, Robert Atkins, our artist for the Patreon, and Skid's friend, Dell. So it was a friendly table of six. So awesome. Sat down with arguably the best GM I've ever played with in my life. I would agree. <laughs> and played a little Starfinder Society. I mean, what were your thoughts on the game overall? Well, he right when he sat down, uh, he said, do you guys want to do tactical combat or do you want to do starship combat? 
And I mean, as excited as I was to do Starship Combat, I really wanted to do tactical. I wanted to see laser pistols and magic in space working uh, in like, I figured it'd be one encounter in this little one hour demo. So that's what we went with. And we all picked the Iconics. Uh, let's see, I, I went with the Mystic because when I was reading the core rule book, I've been reading the past month, I was like, ah, I want to play the Mystic. That sounds cool. Uh, I that think- ended up being such a good choice. You did so many cool things. I landed the killing blow with a mind thrust you did a mind thrust you picked up a piece of a of ship's debris shrapnel and threw it with your mind so and then channeled positive energy and healed everybody (laughs) i was like what is happening Skid's friend Dell played the uh, soldier, the Vesk soldier. Um, Robert Atkins played the operative, which is a very cool class uh, with the trick shots and whatnot. Uh, Grant, what did Grant play? He played the envoy. That's right. An odd choice for Grant. I wasn't thinking he would go that way. And he way. grabbed right for it. He yeah. was like, I want to be the envoy. And so he was our bard, basically, right. in, in the battle. Go get him. Yeah, go get him. <laughs> Skid played the mechanic. The, right, the Yosoki mechanic with a drone. And I mean, within two seconds, he had the best voice at the table. Oh, the GM I, was cracking up. I won't even try talking. to do it and embarrass myself. It was so good. <laughs> and then I did the Solarian. Yes. Who is sort of, you know... You know. You know. You know. We can't say it. But we, we can't say it, but you it's know. kind of because it's owned by Disney, but you know what the you Solarian know. is. You uh, know. Big so, movie coming out around Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so kind of, a, kind of a magical creature using solar photon sort of power and then using gravity pulls and energy. It was neat. It was really fun and combat felt very different from Pathfinder. It just felt very different. It was a neat change. I think the character's name was Atronus or something. You were like, I need a voice for this guy. And I said, why don't you just go with, hello, I'm Atronus. And then you kept it for the whole Oh, man, we were crazy. It was so great. I have a laser beam. (laughs) I'm a scholar. (laughs) Because that was his theme. (laughs) I would like to know more about this alien beast. It was Uh, great. We picked it up pretty quickly. I mean, we were lucky that you had this GM that just gave us. He had a way of explaining things. uh, It was just great. And he happened to be one of the GMs at the Greensboro GCP meetup. That's right. I didn't even mention that. They just kind of contracted him to come in. Hey, we need some more GMs. Would you be interested? He came in. So he knew all those yahoos down in Greensboro. (laughs) that listen to our show. Yeah, but he he had never listened to the GCP. He was like, I heard of you guys because of this event that I jammed in Greensboro. We were like, are you kidding me? And then he was like, and I'm going to kill you. So like, right. That was his objective. That was, his was like, I want to kill the glass cannon. And then he told the volunteers in the area, so they kept checking back in. Did you kill him yet? Did you kill him yet? He's like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I did my but best. He beat us up pretty good. Oh, yeah. There was like a meteor shower right at the beginning that almost yeah. just took us out. Dell's soldier was down at one hit point, which is saying a lot in this game because zero hit points is you're dead. Right. Well, you, know, you have zero a, resolve points left, and he had no resolve. So yeah. that was it's a different. It's a different news. system. Yeah. I really enjoyed the system. I thought it was really cool. And... Luckily, the GM did not have to run off and do another game. We had a chance to talk to him, and uh, and so here is a little bit of that. It is early evening Saturday. I am bordering on exhaustion, but have finally gotten to play my first game while I've been here that was not the GCP Live game. I'm standing with Skit, my good buddy. Hello, hello. <laughs> and we got run through the whole team. Well, actually, this is the first game that the whole team played just as players, yeah. and it was a Starfinder demo, and the uh, organizer uh, of this area here said, you guys have to wait for the best GM we have. Yeah. So we waited an hour, 
to sit with Mark from, are you from Greensboro? Uh, yes, yeah. Mark from Greensboro, who turned out to happen to be at the GCP Greensboro event as an experienced Pathfinder Society uh, uh, GM. Had and never it, heard the podcast. Right, had never uh, heard the podcast, but then sat down and ran a game for us, and we had an amazing time, Mark. Thank you so much. Yes. And I just wanted you to, to tell our, our listeners a little bit about your experience so far with Starfinder. You've been reading it for about a month. Uh, you're a, an experienced Pathfinder GM. What are your feelings on it a month in so far? Well, you know, when, it, when they first announced Starfinder, I wasn't real excited about it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of fantasy role-playing. Um, I'm one of those guys who think that my role-play ought to be fantasy and my tabletop ought to be sci-fi. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, now that I've, I've sat down with these rules, and, and it is a nice progression of the D20 rules, uh, I'm a huge fan. It's, it's a really great cleaned-up way of, uh, of D20. It's a nice progression to see where they're going with these rules. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and among those rules, obviously there were a lot of differences that we encountered during the game. Are there one or two that stand out to you as being a, a real improvement on the, on the system as it was before? I, I like the new hit point system that they've got with the stamina points, the hit points, the resolve. I think that adds a nice, uh, a nice new way of working. I like the uh, quick rest they've added into it that uh, gives the healing a new aspect. Uh, I, I think it's a great way of working with it. And you also uh, really, really went after us. I mean, right out of yeah. the gate, we got, we were on a planet, right? We we're on this planet <laughs> trying to find a, 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 a down, shipwreck. Yeah, down spaceship. A down spaceship. So we're looking for this beacon in in a sandstorm, <laughs> and then suddenly we're caught in this in this crystal storm. And uh, and you said a few times, Mark. Well, I'm going to try to kill the GCP. <laughs> were you uh, were you disappointed when you couldn't make that happen in the first encounter? Uh, a little Be bit. honest, Mark. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You know, and your dice did all they could to help me too. <laughs> he got to understand that Joe's going to roll. Uh, where I rolled five rolls under five on all these reflex saves. It was three straight rounds. It was brutal. And what was uh, you said there was a reason um, for that that encounter as a an educational mechanism. What was that again? Uh, that was where they really wanted to teach you about. To uh, quick rest. They wanted to drain as much stamina as they could, let the uh, the group actually do a quick rest, burn that resolve point, and uh, see how that mechanic works. The entire quest system is really written this year to teach people Starfinder. And what is uh, what was that one called that we played in case people are interested in checking it out? That is Salvage. It's called Salvage. And it, we, I mean, we had a great time, did we not, Skip? Yeah, we had a fantastic time, even though, I mean, and the poor dice rolling was not limited to you by any stretch. As a group, I don't think we've ever rolled that badly. Yeah, no, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was like I was infecting everybody at the table. Yeah, yeah. It was insane. It we was got awful. to play with uh, Robert Atkins as well. Yeah, the uh, great Robert Atkins, our favorite artist on earth. <laughs> uh, and, and all Renaissance artists, everybody included. And I don't believe he uh, made a single successful attack roll. No. <laughs> No, he didn't. He got plenty of good stealth saves, stealth, stealth rolls, but no, uh, no, no attacks. And one of the things that I thought was awesome was he, uh, Mark, passed around his Starfinder Society core rulebook, and he's asked everybody that he's run games for this weekend to sign it. So there were signatures all over it, yeah. and we wrote little notes and signed it. And Robert Atkins did a lightning-fast sketching of his iconic. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, that's amazing. It's, it's a beautiful piece of work. I can't believe you did it in like five minutes, too. <laughs> Amazing, right? Uh, so are we going to see you at the next GCP Greensboro event? And are you going to listen to the show beginning to end? I want a commitment right now, yes or no? Uh, I will listen. Yeah! We got him. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Mark. You have made our weekend, I'm telling you. We did not get to play anything and relax until now, and it's been the best. So really appreciate your time. All right, thank you, guys. It's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, all in all, it was just, it was a great experience. I, I really enjoyed it. And what a good little tease for what is to come for us very soon, oh, which, yeah. is, which is actually playing this game. And, and we've got work to do. There's a lot of oh, different yeah. stuff. And we're going to have to work really hard and put a lot of time into getting it right before we publish the show. It's making me realize how important it's going to be to have a a really good handle on the rules. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make a million mistakes. But to have, to feel more confident with it than I do right now is, is going to be important. And this GM really put us on the right track for that. Yep. And you know what, Joe? That just means more We Are Stupids. <laughs> awesome. People miss We Are Stupids. We're bringing them back. <laughs> we're bringing them back, baby. Well, I, I didn't want to... I'm going a little bit out of chronological order here because it was just a little bit too exciting, a little bit too cool. Uh, and I wanted to leave it for the end, but... On Saturday, when I said that we kind of got lost on the show floor, which was true, we got sucked in again, we wanted to play a game, and we didn't. Mainly, it was because we passed by the Paizo booth, and you said, had you seen the Paizo booth yet? And I said, no, actually, I, I hadn't. And you were like, oh, you got to see it. So we walk over, and it is just amazing, packed with all their stuff. And by the way, we saw it again at shutdown on Sunday, and that stuff was gone. A lot of <laughs> yeah. that stuff was gone. They didn't so have to ship much back. They did yeah. not have to ship much back, yeah. But I was looking at the maps. Uh, I was thinking about getting flip maps and stuff like that. And At your local game store, they definitely have some of them, but they don't have a selection like you see in a Paizo booth. Right, so that's right. amazing. And while we're there, who shows up uh, just walking through but Eric Mona again. And so we're like, oh, what's up, man? I haven't seen him. It's good to good to see you. And, and thanks again for the, the GCP Live Thursday night. Well, we start chatting, and then I'm like, hey, would it be crazy if I just recorded some of this and, and we got you on, le- on the record a little bit in like interview style uh, about your time here at the con and whatever? And he was like, absolutely. Let's, let's sit down. So I was like, all right, let's do this. So we actually got a little Eric Mona interview for you here. A little short one, a little tease of, uh, of things to come. Uh, here, check this out. Eric, thank you so much for the time. It's great to see you guys yet again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we hung out on Thursday night at our live show. Eric uh, sitting in for Matthew, and he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, broke the show open. Troy, I would, would you agree? I would say he stole the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he literally stole the show. And uh, and now we were just kind of chatting about his experiences at Gen Con in general. I mean, you've been coming for years. Uh, is this... You still have fun doing this. Be honest. Be honest to the people. Uh, well, uh, you know, Gen Con for us is the culmination of months of planning. We put out our biggest new releases. We launched the new season of Pathfinder Society. We launched Starfinder Society, you know, uh, on Thursday here. And uh, so kind of the planning for next year's Gen Con sort of starts the Monday after this year's Gen Con, you know, <laughs> and if not before. And so there are definitely moments during that period where I'll like look at myself in the mirror and be like do you is this really fun anymore do you want to do this you know <laughs> and uh, and really for me just getting here just like uh, even like stepping off the, the plane almost it's like oh yeah oh yeah 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 I love this you know <laughs> because I'll run into people on in the airport that I know you know I, I know so many people here now and they and I only ever get to see them at Gen Con or maybe one other convention you know all around the years or, uh, all around the year and so like just to get to see people um, is like tremendously invigorating and then you know uh, I, I imagine because you're kind of you're tucked away in that office all the time working in that office and uh, you get a, you get to a chance to travel a lot yeah. more than a lot of yeah. people at, yeah. at Paizo but in this case yeah that that seeing those people again ignites those flames for, for more work you know yeah and it's not just the people that, that I know you know but it's it's not just the people I know you know but uh, <laughs> but it's like it's the people I don't know as well. So you can you can work on a 
say, the Starfinder core rulebook, right? Which for me is everything from coming up with the idea and then kind of trying to sell it to the staff and then to the, execu- the other executives at the company. And that in and of itself is work, you know, and then making the book, you know, designing. And you know, I don't do that, but I oversee that. And so the rest of the team is all then comes in and they're working super hard. And, you know, um, you never know how it's going to go, especially in the course of a new game. Um, so with Starfinder, you know, we brought to this show... Uh, a number of books that were that f- significantly exceeded the highest sales we'd ever had for any product over all four days of Gen Con, and the Starfinder Core Rulebook sold out in six and a half hours on the first day. So you never really know. And, and up until that moment, let me let me ask you: yeah. Is that exciting for you, or no. is that nerve wracking and it's stressful? Both. It's it's both, right? I mean, it. So I've been thinking about this a lot, you know. So because I always thought it would do well, I always, I thought there was a good chance that we would sell out what we brought, you know, we always try and sell out like an hour before the show ends on Sunday. That's like the, the victory march. Um, but, you know, of course, as a publisher, I'm like, oh, if we'd only brought, you know, twice as many copies, we'd still be selling them right now and think about the money we've leaving on the table. But the fact of the matter with Starfinder is like, it's sold out, you know, like everything we printed is spoken for at this point for every product in the line. And so I go from like, oh my God, so happy that the booth is getting swarmed and selling and the people seem to be really loving it, you know, and liking it to, oh my God, self-recrimination, you know, why didn't we bring more? Why didn't we print more, etc. But I think I'm turning the bend now and I'm like, wait a minute. All those opportunities that I had that I didn't take of like, oh, we'll put a free article in this magazine if you only spend two days writing it yourself. And I like, and I can't do that. So I'm like, oh, you know, and, and I have a way of like looking at the whole landscape and thinking, oh, I could have done this and I could have, how could I have made it even better? But the answer is I could make it none better. We sold everything we did. So <laughs> what I'm trying good. to do now is sort of cleanse my guilt about anything we didn't do 100% right because... It doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, you're going to Disneyland. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean, at least the we're going to be going to uh, Bush Gardens. I think you know. I don't know if we're at the Disneyland level. We're at the knockoff <laughs> park. No, but um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. And then like to walk into the Sagamore Ballroom and see literally 1,200 people all playing our games, all super excited. I mean, that means the world to us. I always, I always. I'm so. I mean, you don't really sleep at Gen Con, or at least I don't really sleep. And so I'm wa- riding this wave of like really being tired physically, but like mentally, I'm like so reinvigorated and, and excited. And then uh, I'll probably go into a coma or something on Monday before you start working on Gen Con 2018. Yes. Well, not before. Well, we'll have a meeting about that before <laughs> I, ha- I fall into a coma. We gave away a copy of the Starfinder Core Rulebook at the end of our event yesterday, and you would have thought we were giving away gold bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's how rare it is. Well, during let's talk about not Gen Con. Yeah. During the year, yeah. in and out, I think Troy, Troy brought this question up, but I think it's a great question. Do you ever get a chance to play any of the, like the APs, or would you ever be interested? Do you know them back and forth because you're the publisher, and does that mean you can never play them? Um... Okay, that's like seven questions. Um, I was very excited. The answer is I don't know them all by heart. There, there are you know I wrote uh, I wrote one. I wrote volume nineteen. I know that one real well. You know, um, and I'm involved. I read all the outlines of the the you know um, the whole campaign, uh, kind of what the freelancers get, to, so that they know what to write. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, the people who uh, work on the adventure path, people like uh, Adam Daigle, Crystal Frazier, um, Amanda Heyman Coons, um, Mark Moreland, those are the people who are doing the word by word, you know, I'm, you know, one or in some cases two steps sort of in the clouds above that sort of saying, we shall do a Lovecraft themed adventure path. <laughs> and then it sort of happens. Yeah. And sometimes depending kind of on my schedules or whether the, the specific topic is appealing to me. Yeah. I'll read it and get really excited about it. Other times, you know, I, I'm kind of focusing on other projects. So I could definitely, you know, sit down and play, I'd say at least half of the, the, the adventure paths and not be like, no, <laughs> I turned the door three times to the left, you know? Um, so yeah. So what, what, what do you play in right now? Do you play in a game? Yeah, I do. I, I play uh, in a weekly game that Jason Bullman runs. Um, that's on every Monday night. Um, and I, I play a, um, a chubby, uh, cleric of, I guess Troy would say Yomadai. Um, <laughs> You nailed it, Eric. Uh, yes. Well done. All right. Uh, and uh, he he is a stress eater, so, um, so that's a bit of a problem. His name is Brother Cahill, and he uh, he he's a lawful good, you know. And we've been playing for like Jason has constructed the campaign like an adventure path. So even though it's not something we plan to publish, um, or at least not plan to publish yet. Um, it's set in six segments, you know, so we are now in the middle of what would it be book six of the campaign. We're like uh, 13th, 14th level. Wow. Yeah, the end yeah. is near. The end is near, yeah. And we've been going for, I think it'll end up being five years by the time it ends. And that's every week we get to play on one of those amazing uh, geek chic gaming tables. Oh, My friend Ross. Come has. on. The Sultan, you know, the top of the line one, oh. and uh, and you boy, you say that uh, the, the that last copy of Starfinder is like gold. That company's now out of business, so the you know, however many Sultans there are in the world, I think you could probably trade them in for a car at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we play on that, and uh, and that's super fun. I run my own stuff sometimes, um, and that's sort of set around Absalom and the dungeons underneath there and stuff. And do you plan on running any Starfinder? Uh, yeah, I've got some ideas. You know, the, the, one of the, my favorite things about the Starfinder core rulebook, and, and I read a, uh, a lot of that, you know, just in galleys and stuff, just to make sure that I'm sure I missed a bunch. But, you know, like, here, uh, yeah, oh, let's fix this typo or whatever. Um, and it just, the ideas just tumble out, you know. Like, I have not done a lot of science fiction role playing. I did Star Wars back in the day, and that was always really fun. But you're kind of ratcheted to the Star Wars story and the Star Wars world, and this is a little bit more wide open. And so, yeah, I have all kinds of ideas. I've, I've run demos and things, like at uh, PaizoCon UK um, and uh, at some Barnes & Noble events and stuff like that. And it's super, super fun system. Um, and, yeah, I've got, all, I've got some neat ideas, but I haven't done anything with it yet. I mentioned this when I went to PaizoCon. What amazed me is I thought I'd go in there and there'd be, like, this group of buttoned-up executives who were like, oh, role-playing games. And then there would be the creative staff. But it seems like everyone in the company plays games. Is that an organic thing where everyone who comes to you is gaming or is it like they come in they've never gamed before but then that guy in the mailroom after a couple weeks is like what are you guys doing on Monday night can I get in on that um, it's more the former than the latter I mean it's 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 Seattle's very like geek rich environment and we really came out of um, well, Paizo originally was part of Wizards of the Coast, uh, so we were the periodicals department of Wizards of the Coast. And so when Paizo was born, it was already kind of an offshoot of another gaming company, where at the time, anyway, uh, uh, pretty much everyone there was a gamer, too. So we started as gamers. You know, our CEO, Lisa Stevens, is a gamer. Um, 
our new accountant is not a gamer. We're going to fix that, I'm sure. Um, uh, he'd be a great rules lawyer. Uh, based on, on, yeah. But yeah, no, everyone's a gamer. And, and, uh, and I think that you kind of have to do that. I mean, you, you want to be able to find gamers with some business acumen and stuff like that. And God help us, I guess that's the role I play. But, um, well, let me put it this way. We have a holiday party every year, and uh, what we'll do is, uh, for the employees, we'll like get some gift cards and stuff, and like here's five hundred dollars on the Apple Store, or here's Starbucks cards, whatever. And we, we have like fifty some employees, so we don't have cards for everybody. So it's like, here's some uh, some. Um, I think we use item cards, you know, and right on the back of the item card, the name of an employee you think went above and beyond this year, and then we pull them from the hat, and then people get to pick which of several um, uh, gift cards they they're interested in and I jokingly once said what we should do is just put them all out and then put a, a, a men's tie next to each one and whoever can actually tie a tie first can win <laughs> and we might not even be able to give away all the cards right so like it's a pretty casual environment so obviously this year Starfinder was the big announcement and I know yesterday I saw on Twitter I didn't even know this that Return of the Rune Lords is going to come out uh-huh. soon which I don't even know what that's about but how do you talk? <laughs> can you this? tell us what that's about yeah what's that about <laughs> uh, but how do you top this like what can we expect at Gen Con 2018 can, can you top this Wow. Um, that, I guess we're going to start trying to figure that out on Monday. No, uh, we've got some thoughts. Yeah, we've, you know, Return of the Rune Lords is going to be a huge deal. Uh, Rise of the Rune Lords was our first adventure path ever. It's our best-selling adventure path because we put it out in hardcover. It's been adapted into a couple of, like, you know, Obsidian's video game. It's been adapted into the card game. Um, we've got audio dramas, you know. So it's like the, the, the main line of Pathfinder. It kind of started it all. And so, um, Return of the Rune Lords, Rise of the Rune Lords deals with one Rune Lord. You know, there's seven each associated with a, a sin. Well, there's six more, you know. And so, uh, they will be <clears throat> returning to the world. And, uh, yeah, it should be, it's going to be real, real scary. I mean, these are like, you know, mythic level spellcasters and, and from 10,000 years ago who have been in, in slumber, you know, trying to sleep out the apocalypse and they just kind of have been sleeping a little too long. And now they wake up and they're like, uh, we want our land back, you know. And so uh, it's being orchestrated by James Jacobs, who is the guy who is responsible, along with Wayne Reynolds for creating the look, but is responsible for the whole goblin song idea. He wrote the very first uh, uh, issue of Pathfinder. Um, and uh, this is a return to a lot of those themes as well. So that's going to be a big thing. We've got other ginormous stuff as well, but that's the big one. And then one more. Let me just ask you in general, really long term. Yeah. Do you guys have these things? I always wonder if it's kind of like Marvel Studios is right now. Do you guys think that have things that you know you're announcing at Gen Con 2019? You know you're announcing at Gen Con 2020, yeah. just really long term? Yeah. I have. Uh, I know everything we're publishing in 2018. And there's still a couple things that could shift, you know, like, and there's opportunities that come up too, where it's like, oh, someone's got a fun board game that we really want to publish. Let's do that in, I guess, October, you know, and, and, and there's a point where we can't do that. Um, there's a point where we can't do that anymore. But um, yeah, I know I've got everything in 2018 figured out. I've got a rough draft of the 2019 schedule figured out, and I've got a list of what I think we're going to do in 2020. <laughs> um, so, and it, you know, it can change. It, it basically, 10 months out is when we start kind of doing solicitations and stuff like that. And that's when things start to kind of crystallize for sure. So there's no going back at that point. Um, but yeah, yeah, we have to plan 
quite in advance. So I, I'm trying to be coy, but I know what we're going to announce next year and then the year after that and probably the year after that and the year after that. Awesome. I like to plan in advance as well. I at least know what we're doing three episodes from now. So <laughs> yeah. I understand this type of preparation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric, we cannot thank you enough for your time, uh, for sitting down with us here. We're right we're at the Paizo booth on the show floor, and uh, I, I really appreciate it, and we can't wait to see more of you this weekend. And uh, I'm looking forward to Gen Con 2020. I want to know what that announcement is. Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you as soon as we turn off the microphones. <laughs> no, but, you know, guys, I got I, I, I to thank you. I mean, getting a chance to... Uh, to sit in for Matt, you know, and that the um, the game the other night was just a highlight of the show, you know. Oh and man, that means a lot. Really appreciate it, and thanks to you and the and the Glass Cannon Nation. Thanks to the salted almonds I just ate before this interview. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Is that not just the perfect example of what happens when you can just run into these these people at Paizo and just chat them up? Yeah, I mean. Uh... I'm just blown away. I'm blown away by the whole situation. Ever since PaizoCon, I just feel like I've been on this crazy high, and 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 then now I feel like I'm friends with these people at Paizo that I've been reading their work for now years. years I feel yeah. like I am legitimate friends with these people on the front cover of these books, and I also feel like I'm friends with the people that listen to the show who I've now met. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah, like we're, totally we're building friendships with these people. And they're building them with each other. With each other, yes. Yeah, so they kind of keep the spirit of GCP alive in their own gaming groups, whether they're online or whether they live close enough to together to play together. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I get up the day after we get back from... Gen Con, I think to myself, like, I just need a day. I just need a day to kind of take it all in. And I wake up to us cresting the $10,000 goal on Patreon. <laughs> and I knew it was going to happen. I didn't think I'd wake up to it per se. But it, it just goes to show you, Joe, that we're. I think we're really on to something here. I think we're, we're doing... I think we're doing something that's bringing people together. And when you have the power to bring people together, you can do a lot of really cool things. And to have the amazing people at Paizo on our side, as, forget yeah, it. As, as forget teammates it. in this endeavor. Yeah. It, it was nothing but fantastic all weekend. You just got a vibe from them. Like they're excited about working with Glass Cannon. Like they're excited about their fans and our fans coming together and really starting to work together on some stuff. And we talked about a lot of exciting future plans on, on both ends. Yeah. And so more to come on that. This weekend was clearly the most productive weekend of the podcast history thus far. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to, it's just going to keep building from here. So it's really exciting. Sunday, I guess we can kind of throw out the window. It was kind of a burn day. We <laughs> thought we were going to have more time to game. Remember, we walked over to... We had a little bit of a late start. And we walked over to... Well, because we did the fan karaoke. event karaoke on Saturday <laughs> night. Right. Joe and I went to a couple of... Uh, we went to this industry party where we were just hanging out with Jason Bullman playing Deep Sea Adventure, which was probably one of my favorite games we played outside of Starfinder. Uh, and just me and we met Jim Zub, this amazing comic book writer who I'm a huge fan of. He does Wayward, and I think he's got some other big project in the works right now. Uh, we met Rob McCreary. We went Rob the McCreary, developer of Giant Slayer, who I feel like is our kindred spirit because he's the developer of Giant Slayer and the writer of Book One of Dead Sons. Dead Sons. It was crazy. Uh, he, uh, another incredibly nice guy. Yeah, and just... uh, yeah, we only saw him for for a little bit of time, and he kind of had to move on. But yeah, we hung out there for a little bit, and then it was like it was late, and it was, it was... like it is time. <laughs> 
for karaoke. <laughs> Another uh, soon-to-be, most likely, annual event, the Glass oh Cannon God. Karaoke Disaster. So we took a 25-minute cab ride to the outskirts of Indianapolis to this place, and we walk in, and it is just GCP Nation in force. Oh, Sing boy. everybody belting songs. <laughs> oh, what a, what a blast. <laughs> you walk in, grab the mic, and sing, I Believe I Can Fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just handed it to me. It was already queued up. Oh God, it was it was just amazing. So yeah, needless to say, we got a late start on Sunday, and then uh, we went over to Lucas Oil to try to pull a game out of the games library around two o'clock. We're already depressed. Yep, and found out they shut down at two o'clock. <laughs> it was just the last day of cons. I don't care what con it is, it's always like that. Just sad feeling. I yeah, gotta go back so to my sad. life, even if you love your life, which I do. Um, <laughs> No, but you, you, you know, you were, we were just like, we got to get a game. We got to get a game. And so you were like, this is the one. And you picked up what? I picked up Robinson Crusoe, uh, which is a four, two to four player co-op game based on the, you know, novel of the, of the same name. Right. And I had read that it was really great before. And my uh, wife and Matthew and Matthew's wife finished our run through of Pandemic Legacy. So we wrapped that story, and I was looking for a new co-op game for four players. And so I've always been kind of interested in that story, the, you know, uh, on an abandoned desert island, making it by, surviving, finding mysterious things. And so, yeah, we picked it up. It barely got a chance to play it. <laughs> we went back to the Airbnb. Joe sent, spent about four hours uh, setting it up. We went to get a nice dinner at St. Elmo's Steakhouse, came back, finished setting it up. And then we just played for about an hour and a half while the four of us made some of the most inappropriate jokes we've ever made <laughs> just to get it all out of our system. <laughs> and had a just, we were so tired and so beat up. We just were crying, laughing, we were just laughing, trying like, to make each yeah. other laugh. I mean, it was just a perfect end to a perfect week yeah that was I mean I had the early flight out so I left at 5 o'clock in the morning and just you know so my final memories of Gen Con are just being in a living room with you uh, sitting across from you at at a game that barely have any shred of understanding (laughs) of that has a thousand pieces while Skid lays on an air mattress and Grant lays on a couch and all of us just talk out loud making each other laugh until we (laughs) cried until eventually you passed out and Skid passed out and Grant passed out and then I packed and went home (laughs) that sad depressing day after the con ends feeling man oh yeah it is rough but you know what you always remember it'll be back again next year yeah yeah Well, that is going to wrap it up for our first ever Gen Con debrief. We look forward to Gen Con next year, obviously, but in the meantime, we have a lot to focus on. We have to focus on episode 118. Yep. We have to focus on Cannon Fodder 64, Mm -hmm. which is going to be 117 and 118 kind of combined, getting back to the story. And we have to start making a second podcast. (laughs) Along with our full time jobs and lives. We're so stupid. We are so stupid. But you know what? We're doing it, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Joe, I wish there was a Scotty's brew house in New York, because I could go for a Space Goblin Pale Ale right about now. Oh, man. You're speaking my language. Oh, man.